been doing a series, this will be the last one this morning, on the theme of encouragement, encouragement. And as I shared last week, I was when we came back from New Zealand, we, we were overnight at Los Angeles, a hotel near the airport, and uh, just lying in bed about one or two in the morning, couldn't get to sleep, although I was very tired, and uh, just praying about what to share when I came back. And... Uh, the word just came to me, just very clearly, very clearly. I wish it always was as clear as that, but it came very clear. Encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. And then I was thinking about uh, uh, God's encouragement and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all encouragers. The, the, the Holy Spirit is called the parakletos, which means one who stands alongside us to help us and to speak encouragement to us. And, uh, and we looked at that the first Sunday. And then last Sunday, we looked at encourage yourself. And this time, encouragement, it, it begins from God. God initiates it. But there's times also, especially in difficult times, when we need to encourage ourselves. And we see that David encouraged himself at Ziklag when even his own men, his own mighty men, turned against him, and we're going to stone him, we're going to intending to kill him with stones, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And we saw God, how God turned everything around. And and then the third message today, and that, in fact, when, when I when I got when I got up from the uh, at the, in Los Angeles, I, I got up and I was talking to Marilyn about the, the word that I felt I had. And, uh, and then she said, she said too, yes, it's important too that we encourage one another. So the third part this morning, Marilyn gave me the title, and it's Encourage One Another. Encourage One Another. And, you know, as the Lord, as the Lord pours into us, and as we are encouraged by the, by the comforter, the parakletos, then, you know, God wants us to learn. He wants us to learn to encourage ourselves, especially in times of darkness, as we talked about last week. But also, God wants to reach, God wants us, each one of us, every one of us. This is something we can all do, all for each one of us, to reach out to others, to seek to lift up others, to seek to stir up others, to seek to encourage others, to seek to help others, you know, spiritual ways and in natural ways. And uh, he is the great encourager. And we are to encourage one another. Hebrews 3 and verse 12 and 13. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 12 is a warning, is a warning. So the first thing we must be careful of is an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief can, can harden our hearts. And in verse 13, there we, there we are encouraged to exhort one another daily, exhort one another daily, while it is called today. So we're 
Another name for exhort is to encourage. We're to encourage one another daily. And so, you know, the Christian life very much is not just me and God. It's not just me and the Holy Spirit. Now, that is, that is vital. We have a relationship with God. That's the, the foundation of everything else. But the Christian life is, as Jesus summed it up in the two great commandments, we, we love God with all our heart, with all our might, with all our strength, with our whole being. And there's that vertical relationship. But also, we are, Jesus gave us a new commandment where to love one another. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. And so the nitty-gritty of our Christian life, it's, it's one another. It's us and our brother, us and our sisters. And it's, we need, in order to go on for the Lord, we can't fully go on for the Lord by ourselves. We're dependent not only on the Lord, but we're dependent on one another. We need one another. Every one of us is unique. Every one of us is different. Every one of us has got certain qualities and abilities that, that others do not have. And every, there's a uniqueness about each person. And each person is needed in the body of Christ and for the body to come to maturity. And in a local church, you know, each one. Each one is important, each one is needed, each one has, has, God has a purpose, has a plan, has a ministry. And so, you know, and, and that involves, as we grow in the Lord, as we go on, as we mature, that involves not only relationship with God, but it's relationship with, with one another. And here Paul says, he says, exhort one another, encourage. What are we to do? We are to encourage one another daily, daily. Not just, you know, once a month. No, daily encourage one another. And we all, we are, we are to encourage one another, but we all need, we all need encouragement. God's made us in such a way that we, we, all, we need encouragement, but he's called us as we go on for the Lord. We are to seek to encourage others, to bless others, to exhort others, to encourage others. And we need, we need to be those who encourage each other to walk, to walk in victory, to be overcomers over the enemy, to be overcomers over sin and the things that will pull us down. And so that we will continue to press on with the Lord. You know, so many, so many start well, but then when the going gets tough, when the problems come, when the trials come, they fade away, and you don't see them. And that word there in verse 13 for exhort, exhort one another, encourage one another, it's the word parakaleo, and it comes from the word parakletos, which, of course, is the uh, word for the Holy Spirit. The he is the comforter, and the comforter, the Greek word is, well, the Holy Spirit is the comforter, the comforter, the Greek word is parakletos, and here, when it says encourage one another, exhort one another, it's parakaleo. In other words, a word which is derived from that. So we are to encourage one another. We're to strengthen one another. We're to comfort one another. And just like the Holy Spirit, 
He's the one who comes alongside us to help us. God wants us to come alongside others to help them, to encourage them, to help them to you know, go one level higher in their walk with God, to help them. And often it involves helping in, in natural ways as well as spiritual, as well as spiritually. In Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, and we'll start at 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And then verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. So it's concerning one another. And it says there, provoke, to provoke unto love and to good works. And the word therefore, provoke, the Greek word is a, a, a Greek word, paro, paroxysm, or something like that. And that Greek word simply means to encourage, to provoke one another to love and good works. You, you can provoke. Provoke one, you can provoke people to evil, but you can provoke them also to good. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children. We're not to provoke people to anger, no, but we're to provoke or to encourage people for good. And Paul says here, to provoke to love and to provoke to good works, to provoke to love and to good works. And so in that Greek word, there's a thought of, of encouraging people. And it's also like stirring people up. And sometimes people, they get apathetic, they get a bit half-hearted, they get a bit lukewarm, and they need to be stirred up. They need to, someone to come along and pro provoke them and to love and to good works or to stir them up to love and good works, to encourage them, to encourage them to good. And so it means to encourage, to stir up, and, and incitement to good. And that thought of stirring up, stirring up, stirring up one another, stirring up to do good things, stirring up to do good works, stirring up to show love and compassion. And the thought of stirring up is taken from like hot coals on the altar, hot coal which have been burning and you know, they've, they've lost as they, the fire, you know, diminishes and those hot coals, you know, gradually they lose their flame. But then if you want to get that coal fire going again, you know, somebody comes along with a, with a fan and you get that fan and you blow the wind like that in front of those hot coals and then the flames come up and it bursts into flame again. And in our Christian life, people, many get like that. They're on fire for a time, but then over time, you know, they lose that fire. The flame diminishes. It gets down and down and down. And sometimes they need someone. They need someone to help them, to stir them up, to stir them up, to fan them into flame again so that that, that first love is ignited. The first love is renewed. It is refreshed our love for the Lord and our love for serving him and our love for serving others and for good works and for doing the will of God in our lives. And so God wants to encourage us 
He wants to encourage us so that we receive encouragement from the Holy Spirit, but it's so that we can in turn encourage others. And at times that means stirring up others and stirring them up, stirring them up, fanning into flame, speaking into their lives, maybe doing things and drawing alongside them, in, in, not in condemnation, but just in love and, and to, to, to encourage them to go on and maybe, maybe get victory you know, over things that they could be struggling with. And verse 25 goes on, goes on in verse 24, and it's the same sentence in verse 25, there's just a colon at the end of verse 24. And then in verse 25, which, which is connected with 24, same sentence, and it says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. So, you know, the thought there of not gathering together, you know, some people, they, you know, they get offended or something by somebody in the church or someone, someone, something happens and then they, you know, think, well, you know, I'm not going to church any longer. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, just me and God and, and we'll be fine. But it's very clear. Hebrews is very clear. Don't forsake. Don't forsake this assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So much more as you see the day approaching. So we are to encourage one another to attend church, not to forsake getting ourselves together. You know, sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes it might be easier to do something else. Most people on Sunday mornings these days, they're, they're at the mall or they're playing sports or they're doing things at their home. It's their catch-up day or whatever. But by the grace of God, that is the time, especially, that we're called to, you know, gather together, gather together with one another so we can be with one another. And so Paul says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhort one another, encourage one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And the day is approaching. Events, world events are lining up, are happening very fast, very fast. We're getting closer and closer, you know, to the, la the last days, the, e the end of this age, and the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, you know, especially in this time, we need one another. We need one another. And, you know, when we come to church, when we come to church, what's our heart? What's in our heart? What is our attitude when we come to church? You know, some people come to the attitude, well, well what, can I, what can I get? What can I receive? But really it's, a lot better if we can come with an attitude, well, what can I give? I, I, I'm coming to church to, 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 to give you, first of all, to give God, to give God praise and worship and adoration and love. And, and together with my brothers and sisters, we're going to worship him by the, his grace in spirit and in truth. And, you know, I want to give unto you, give unto you, give unto you my praise, give unto you my worship, give unto you my tithes and my offerings, and, and I love you, Lord. I want, I want to give freely to you. And uh, 
and then in relation to others. You know, what can I, how can I, what can I do to encourage someone at church? Maybe it's just a, a smile or just a, a greeting, you know, and, and just to be praying for somebody, just to, to, to seek to bless, to bless someone else, to give someone out, to give to someone else. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves and everything, you know, ourselves and our our, our problems and our family and the things that are going wrong and the things we need to deal with, we're so caught up in self that we, we, don't, we don't focus on others. And often we have to be reminded, you know, and often we have to re- re- be reminded, all of us, me included, to, you know, we're not to live for ourselves, we're to live for one another. And we're to seek to, to give to one another and to help one another, to encourage, encourage one another in the Lord. And so we want to come to church, to the house of the Lord. We, we, you know, believe in God to move. Come with expectancy. Come with an attitude of faith. Come with an attitude to give. Come with an attitude to bless. Come with an attitude of, of you know, maybe touching someone's life and, and and blessing and encouraging. And, you know, as we do that, as we do that, we will, we will, as we reach out to others, you know, God in turn will pour back into us. You know, it's like a, a, if you've got a campfire going and there's a pile of wood burning there, you know, each piece, each piece of wood helps the others to burn well and to increase the whole fire. Now, if one piece of that wood, if you take one piece of that wood off the fire, it doesn't take long for that flame to diminish. It'll diminish very quickly, and then it'll go out. It'll go out. It goes out quickly. And that's often what happens when, you know, a person withdraws himself from the body, withdraws himself from other believers. You know, they're on fire. They, they withdraw themselves from fellowship. And often that spiritual life in that, like the flame diminishing, it diminishes. And it diminishes, and, and the, flame, the, the whole fire diminishes a bit. But then if we put that piece of wood back on the fire, then, of course, it burns brightly again, and the whole fire is blessed, the whole fire you know, is 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 burning, burning brightly again, and you know, sadly, there are those who grow cold in their hearts because of offences, and uh, you know, do not love the the fellowshipping of themselves together, or do not consider it important. But in God's eyes, I believe it's very important, and Paul makes that very clear here, and it's if if a person is not in fellowship with other believers. You know, really, it can be a very dangerous situation because they're not under authority, they're not under a covering, and they, they put themselves in a position where they're open to unnecessary you know, attacks of the enemy. And you know, the attacks of the enemy will, will increase. He goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you know, we know in these last days, many, many, you know, will turn aside. And so we need to encourage, to exhort one another so much more. And we will, you know, the attacks of the enemy are going to be increasing. And, 
you know, we're not going to be able to stand in this hour by ourselves. You know, we need strength. We need strength from one another. We need strength from the, the brethren. In Romans chapter 12, when Paul is speaking about various ministries, he said, he that exhorts, let him give himself weight on exhortation. And, you know, some people have a specific, I mean, all of us can exhort and encourage, but some people have, a, like, their special ministry is, a, you know, a ministry of encouraging, encouraging others, exhorting others. And that can be their, their, their main ministry. And it's a wonderful ministry. It's a wonderful ministry to help others, you know, go on for God, to help others, to do good things, and to encourage one another. It's because that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's a comforter, and he's, he's the encourager for God's people. And as an encourager has the ability to, to stimulate people, to stimulate, to stimulate them towards you know, abundant living in the Lord. And uh, some have uh, the special ministry of encour encouragement, but all of us, nevertheless, can be encouragers, at least at some, some level. And one area which relates to encouragement is, you know, at church is, is prophecy. And we've, you know, prophecy most Sunday mornings, we, we generally have several prophecies. But prophecy, that's one way of bringing encouragement. And in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3, it says, But he that prophesieth speaks unto men to edification, to exhortation or to encouragement and comfort. So it gives three, three reasons for prophecy in that verse. When we prophesy, we're speaking to men, and it's for edification. That means to, to build up, to build up. And then the second purpose of prophecy is for exhortation, or for exhortation basically means exhortation, encouragement, exhortation, all right, exhortation, encouragement, comfort. And Paul says to prophesy is, is greater than speaking in tongues because when we prophesy, we're edifying, encouraging, and encouraging the church. And it's something in the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, one of those gifts is the gift of prophecy. Prophecy, And it tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 39, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 39, 14 and verse 39, it tells us there, Wherefore, brethren, cover to prophesy. In other words, desire to prophesy. Desire to prophesy. Cover earnestly. Desire earnestly to prophesy. And forbid not speaking in tongues. And if we go back to verse 31, it says, for, for you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted or encouraged. So prophecy, one of the main purposes of prophecy is for encouragement. It's for encouragement. And Prophecy, you know, a, a really anointed prophecy when it comes, a really anointing prophecy can really, really lift a meeting. It can bring a whole change in a meeting. And it can bring, 
you know, such blessing, and it can bring such encouragement. And, you know, God wants us. And, and, and some of you, some of you, you've pro- there's, there's some here who have been used in prophecy, but maybe not for a long time, maybe not for a year or two. And uh, by the grace of God, we want to see that, that gift, which is within you, to stir it up. And sometimes when it's like that, we've got to go to the Lord. Lord, use me again in prophecy. Begin to pray and pray in tongues and pray. Ask the Lord, help, help me, help me to, to, st- to fan into flame, to fan into flame what's in, in my heart, that, that gift of prophecy, and that, that I would prophesy afresh and that I might bring encouragement, bring edification to others. And it's going to be a real sign of the last days. The prophetic gift will, will you know, will will you know be 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 greatly used, and uh, I believe you know people will go to a to a, a tremendous depth in prophecy. It speaks about revival in the last days in Joel two and verse twenty eight, and it's speaking there about your sons and your daughters. They shall prophesy. They shall prophesy, and so you know young people, those who are younger, and also those that are older, you know, cry out to God that that prophetic gift. That, that gift will be stirred up within you, stirred up, stirred up within you. And especially those who are maybe a little bit more, you know, retiring in nature. Um, you know, Timothy, he was, he, he was sort of, it seemed he was a uh, fairly um, quiet personality. But Paul had to stir up that gift. And in 2 Timothy 1 and verse Verse 6, Paul writes to Timothy. He's writing to him. And in Paul's letter to him, he says, Stir up the gift of God, the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. And Timothy had a gift, but, but that gift was, he was not using it. it was not, he was not using it because, because he, was, he was not stirring it up. You know, sometimes we, we think that God's got to come down and grab our lips and da-da-da and do everything for us. But, you know, we, we have a part to play, and we must press in. We must step out in faith, and we must believe God. And I believe that many more of us, many more of you here, uh, you know, will prophesy, will prophesy. And I encourage you, you know, pray, seek the Lord, and uh, trust him that he will use you in this, this wonderful gift. And, and, and one of the main purposes of that gift is to bring encouragement to people. We need to, we need to use what God gives us. And as we use what God gives us, you know, God will take us on. God will give us more. Barnabas, he is a wonderful an example of, a, of an encourager, one who encouraged other, uh, others. And Barnabas was a bright, shining light in the early church. He was surnamed Barnabas by the apostles, and that was interpreted, it meant the son of consolation, the son of consolation, or the son of consolation, or we could say the son of encouragement. And he was a wonderful person, Barnabas was. And he was one, he sold his, he was obviously quite well-to-do, and he sold his land, and he didn't even keep any for himself. The whole amount that he got from the sale of his land, 
He used the process. He used the, the proceeds of what he got. Every, every dollar he got, every, every bit of money he got from that land, he used it all for the work of God, for the gospel going forth, to help the poor and to help the widows and the needy, and, and so that everybody was provided for. And so, you know, he was, he was so generous. He was exceptionally generous. And he was called the beloved. He was a man who was, you know, full of love. And it was, Bar- it was Barnabas who sought out Saul in Tarsus. And he sought out Saul in Tarsus. Many, other, most, many of the other Christian leaders, they kept their distance from Saul because, even after he got saved because they'd heard about his persecution, how he persecuted the, the believers. But no, what did Barnabas do? Barnabas sought him out. He found out where he was. He was at Tarsus. And so Barnabas went to Tarsus and he encouraged him. He encouraged, encouraged Saul and encouraged him, and, and, and he brought him back with him. With him. And, and, and Barnabas and, and Saul, they, became, they, became, they were prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch. And then Barnabas and Paul, you know, they went out together on their first missionary journey. Now, there was a fault with Barnabas. There was a problem over John Mark. We're not going into that this morning. But... On the positive side, he was a wonderful person, and he was a he was a, such a wonderful encourager. He encouraged Saul, and who knows if it was not for Barnabas? Who knows if it was not for Barnabas, the encourager? Maybe Saul would never have the ministry. Saul, who became the great apostle Paul, would never have the ministry that he had in starting up churches and reaching out and seeing mighty signs and wonders and miracles. So Barnabas, Barnabas, he's a wonderful, uh, you know, a wonderful example to us of an encourager. Now, what are some just little practical ways where we can, we can encourage others? Well, we can encourage others with our words. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Isn't that a fantastic scripture? Pleasant words. Pleasant words. When you say something kind, something nice, a word of... Now, we don't flatter people. Things that are not true, we don't say. That is wrong, obviously. But pleasant words... You know, when somebody does well, when your kids do well, you know, compliment them and encourage them. Uh, you know, somebody else who you see, you know, it's good to see you. And just, just, just a little, a few words, just a little, a few little words can make a, you know, can make an incredible difference in, in somebody's life. And who knows what difference they will make. And, you know, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. And even when we go about our day-to-day tasks or whatever we're doing, you know, pray that, you know, God will just use us, just our words. Our words will bring life. Our words will bring blessing. Our words will, our words will be creative words. Our words will encourage. Proverbs 25.11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. You know, right word at the right time you know, can, can accomplish so much. 
Proverbs 10, verse 20. The tongue of the just, the tongue of the righteous, is as choice silver, special silver, purified silver, is our tongue. And Proverbs 10, 21. The lips of the righteous, they can feed many. They can feed many. They can encourage many. They can, they can feed many. They can encourage courage many. Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, you know, there's words. Our, our words can bring life. Our words can bring death. And those who are encouragers, their words, the words they speak, you know, build up. They bring life. They bring wonderful encouragement. Marilyn was once praying for a, situ for a situation and she was quite discouraged. And then the thought came to her mind, just give up, give up. And just then, just at that same time when that thought came to her, give up, at the same time, she just received a phone call from a godly lady in the church and she didn't, she didn't even say hello, and she didn't say, you know, how are you doing? Nothing. She just said, she just, she just said, Marilyn, don't give up. And she put down the phone. She hung up. And it was just a word, it was just a word of encouragement. It was the right word, just at the right exact time. Exact time. And uh, praise God. God came through. But that word, just that little word at that right time was, was a tremendous, tremendous encouragement. And maybe just, you know, that you don't ignore somebody. You just say hello. That's all. Maybe just, you know, I appreciate you. Or to go and say to someone, you know, I appreciate so much the, the way you serve in the Lord, the way you serve the Lord, the way you serve in the church. And, you know, you, or you, you go and say, I've been thinking of you. I've been praying for you. And just, just something like that can make a Huge difference in someone's life. So we encourage by our words and pray, pray that our words will bring life, our words will bring encouragement. We also, encouragement, we can encourage people by things we do, our deeds. Maybe it's a big thing, maybe it's a little thing. You know, maybe just a, a card of appreciation, write a little card, a little note. Some are real good at doing that. And others, you know, maybe somebody's sick and you take a bowl of soup or take a meal for them, take some food for them. Sometimes in a situation where somebody's in need, God stirs your heart to give financially, to help someone. You know, what a, what a tremendous encouragement that can be. Maybe help somebody in there working in their garden, mow their lawn, help them in some way, give them some vegetables, something from your garden. Maybe you shovel snow for somebody. So many different ways where by your deeds, by the things you do, you can bring life, you can bring blessing, you can bring encouragement, you can bring encouragement for others. You know, just coming back, one of the flights we were on coming back, there was this lady, she was struggling to put a case up in the top of the, the, the airline compartment overhead. And so I just, I just went up to her and, and took it and, and put a bag up for her. Just, just a simple little thing. And, uh, you know, she, her, her reply was, was uh, 
I was quite amazed by it. And she, she, said to, she said to me, I certainly didn't expect it, she said, she said, why are you so kind? And, you know, I replied to her, because I have Jesus in my heart. And uh, that's all I said. That's all she said, and that was that. Was that. But just, just, just a little thing. There's so many, as we go day by day, to, to ask God to show us things where we can bless someone, we can help somebody in some way. We can encourage them. We can encourage them encourage them. Proverbs 22 verse 9. He that hath a bountiful eye looks, a bountiful eye. What's a person with a bountiful eye? He's watching. He's not just tied up in himself all the time and focusing on himself, but he's looking out for others. He's looking out how he can fulfill some need, how he can bless somebody in, in some way. He's got a bountiful eye. He that has a bountiful eye shall be blessed. And it'll come back to you as you bless somebody else, as you encourage somebody else. It'll, God will pour it back to you. You'll be blessed. You'll be encouraged by the Lord. And Marilyn and I, often when we're talking, we, we, we often comment to each other, you know, there are some wonderful people, wonderful people here in Mount Zion Church. I mean, how on earth are we are... Not worthy to be the pastor of Mount Zion Church. We've got such, such wonderful people here. And many are just so generous, so kind, so thoughtful, so caring, so loving. And many of you, you do. You do bring much encouragement to people. You do by your, by your lives, already doing it. And I'm not trying to preach to try to get you do it, to get you doing it. You're already doing it. And you're doing it well. But just I here this morning just to encourage you, keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. As Paul wrote to the Romans, Romans 2 and verse 7, he spoke about patient continuance. Patient continuance in well-doing. In other words, keep on doing good things. We're not saved by doing good works. But a result of our salvation will be good works. We are saved unto good works. And we can encourage people even as we pray for them. Pray for them. And, and the Apostle Paul, even when he writes to the Thessalonian church, and, and they were just baby Christians. They, they just come to the Lord. But Paul knew he needed to be encouraged by their prayers. And so he asked them, he said, brethren, brethren, brothers, sisters, pray for us, pray for us. And as we pray for one another, as we pray for one another, even as we pray for one another in the church, and I encourage you, pray for your, your, your church, pray for those, pray for those in the church, pray for them, and pray often for them. And as we pray for one another, even in the spirit realm, we are releasing encouragement to them in the spirit. But as I say, there's a, there's a price to be an encourager. And, you know, if our focus is all on ourselves, you know, some people, everything is self. Me, 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 my, my, my. What can I get from it? What can I receive? But we must look away from ourselves and away from having a focus on ourselves. You know, often we can get so caught up and so busy. And the genuine things, you know, myself, my family, my desires, my will, my pleasures, my problems. But then, you know, 
if we're going to be encouragers, we've got to at times just begin not just to focus on ourselves all the time. Now, obviously, we've got to focus on ourselves a certain amount, but not to focus on ourselves all the time and to reach out, reach out to others, to focus on others. You know, what did Jesus say? And what is the, the, the crux of the Christian life? And Jesus said this in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in John. In other words, this is important. Take heed. Listen carefully. And we'll read the verse where Jesus says it's in Luke. And it's in Luke 23. And Jesus said, if any, if any man will come after me, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. What do we do to self? Deny self. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross. And it's in, in Luke it says the word daily. In the other Gospels it does not mention that. But Luke says, take up your cross every day. Take up your cross. In other words, you're saying, well, Lord, you choose for me today. Not my will, but your will be done. If any man will take up his if any man will follow me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross. You're identifying with Christ, with his, with his crucifixion, and follow me, and follow me. He is our Lord, he's our master, we'll follow him. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, he said, I die daily, I die daily, I die daily to myself, so that it's no longer I who live, but it's the Lord it's Christ who lives in me. You know, think of the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. He was willing to sacrifice his time. He was willing, I mean, he could have, you know, the priests and the Levite, they were too busy. They had their agenda. They had what they were going to do, and nothing was going to stop them. And they could barely look at the, at the man on the road who'd been robbed and was bleeding to death. But the Good Samaritan, he was willing to sacrifice his time, to sacrifice his schedule and what he planned to do to help the man who'd been robbed. He bound up his wounds. He put him on his own donkey. He brought him to the inn. He paid the bill. I mean, he not only brought great encouragement to the, to the wounded man, but and he did. I mean, what, a, what an incredible encouragement. But he ended up you know, saving his life because of that wonderful good work he did. And, you know, there's rewards when we encourage others. When we encourage others, our works follow us into eternity. And we see that in Revelation 14 and verse 13. And when we encourage others, our works, the things we do, things we say, will follow us into eternity. I think I've shared before about a 17-year-old girl who in Tennessee some years ago was raised up from the dead and later on in life Pastor Bailey met her. But this young girl, she was born crippled and her mother was praying and God gave the mother a rhema, a word to that that her daughter was going to be healed from this crippling situation, unable to walk, 17 years unable to walk. And at 17 years, the, the woman, she, the, the, the girl, she took a turn for the worst, 
and then she died. And she went to heaven. And after being in heaven some time, she came back and she got into her body and was in the casket and she got up and she, she was just radiant. And it was, in, it, was, it was in all the newspapers and everything. It was well documented. And she was raised from the dead. But what I want to draw attention to is when she was in heaven, when, after she died, her spirit was taken to heaven. And when she was in heaven, when she was in heaven, before she was miraculously healed, one of the things that amazed her the most in heaven was that rewards were given to saints. Rewards were given to saints. And that in heaven, the things we've done, the good we've done to to others, the encouraging things we've done to others, nothing is forgotten in heaven. Even a smile, even a smile at someone. You think, well, we we, we, we forget that course, we forget it the next day. But it's, it's for all eternity, even a smile, even maybe a handshake, even a, just, just a little thing, even little things, and even small acts of kindness we do out of the goodness of our heart, they are remembered by God. Things, we are, things that we have forgotten are recorded in God's, God's book. You know, just a kind word of encouragement, a pat on the back. Maybe just tying up a child's shoelaces. You know, just little things, little things, little things. And two people came to mind as we close. And as one was Sister Helen Dexter, Sister Helen Dexter. And she was 64. And she came here to study at CMI. She studied two years. She graduated in 1966. I think it was 1966. She came to India. I visited her in India. She came up to, she went to the province of Orissa. And God used her to start up. It was a couple of Bible schools, a girls' school, and then, then a boys' school. And, you know, she poured into those girls. She poured into those girls. And, and some of the, they were orphan girls that had come there. Some of them had come from terrible backgrounds. Some of them only had maybe one parent. Some, most of them were very, very poor, very, very poor. But she was there. She loved them. She helped them. She was able to raise money to provide for them, provide for their food and shelter, accommodation, education. And she had many fruitful years in India. And... While she was there, she encouraged many, encouraged them spiritually and encouraged them in so many ways in practical things and helping them with practical things. And, you know, she goes to a, to a rich reward. She went. When she died, she was in, well into her 90s, late 90s, I think, when she died. But um, she, she went to a rich reward. And I thought of somebody else who just recently gone to be with the Lord, and that's Pastor Eldon Crop who most of us know. And here they were, him and his wife, missionaries in Africa for many years. They lived in four different countries in Africa. But most of them were spent in Malawi, 
And Malawi's, again, one of the poorest nations of the, of the world, and, and yet people would come. People would come to that, the, the door there, and the crops, brother and sister cropped. You know, they'd help them. They'd help them with food. They'd prepare you know, um, baskets of, of, of containers of rice and, and other you know, vegetables and oil and things that they needed just to, to live and, and survive. And they helped with you know, the kids with their things, they, school uniforms and things they needed at school. And just in practical ways, helped so many people. As well as that, they started a Bible school, they ministered in churches, Pastor Crop ministered in churches, and, and he had a Bible school running and encouraged the pastors. And, you know, his life was used to encourage, you know, probably hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people, you know, in Africa. And, you know, each one of you, each one of you, God loves you. God loves each one. And, you know, there's, there's some things we can't all do. But there's many things that we can do. And one thing that all of us can do, at least at some level, is to be encouragers and to encourage one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you would take what's been spoken this morning. And Lord Jesus, Lord, may it not be just another sermon. But, oh God, Lord, I pray, Lord, from this auditorium this morning, Lord, even many people, in, many here in this auditorium, Lord, Lord, they're, they're great encouragers and they're full of good works. And, Lord, I pray for them, Lord, that you would just take them on, you, that they would continue, continue, patient continuance in well-doing, that they would continue on doing good works and even take them into greater levels and being in great encouragement to, 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 to many more and to higher levels. And Lord, for those who are just getting started, Lord, I pray that you just help them. Lord, on the level that they're able, by your grace, to seek to encourage others, to help others, to do good to others, to pray for others, to help. Oh, God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. May this church, may our church be a church of, of encouragement, of encouragers, even as you, Holy Spirit, are the great encourager, the parakletos, the one who works alongside us, the one who brings us to victory the one who loves us so very much. Lord, seal this word to each heart. In Jesus' precious name, amen.